Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Schultz. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about the NFL's annual league meetings. We've got some rule changes. Pete Carroll was speaking to the media and he had some things to say about our quarterback situation, saying that they are still in the quarterback business. As I'm joined by my good buddies, Clinton Bonner and Adam Emmert. Guys, I have to say that uh, listening to Pete and him talk about how you know, they're still trying to go after Geno Smith. I, I'm, I'm getting the sense that Geno is the other quarterback that they're in business with. So when they say that they're in the quarterback business, it's mostly talking about Geno Smith. And we're going to have this Drew Locke-Geno Smith competition going into the year. Adam, let's start with you. What's your read on the quarterback competition as it stands now? Look, I've seen enough of Geno Smith over the course of the last 10 years to know what Geno is and what he isn't. And what he isn't is a starting quarterback in this league. He's an amazing backup. That's great. Um, but he's not a starter. What I've seen from Drew Locke is moments of high-end play and then moments of disaster. And I think he's not a starting quarterback in this league. But there are things that he can do that uh, Gino just really can't. And I think the idea that it's only going to be those two guys, I think, is a fallacy, too. Uh, if they don't take one of these guys later on in the draft, I'll be very surprised. Okay, well, yeah. I And if it's if they're taking a guy later in the draft, well, I suppose we didn't think Russell Wilson. Well, I didn't think right. Russell Wilson was going to start the first season. I thought we were going to get to see Matt Flynn for at least, you know, a little bit. It didn't turn out that way, obviously, and I was wrong. But uh, when I look at at Drew Locke, when I look at Geno Smith and and what he's meant to the team, I look at the leadership qualities of Geno Smith, which has me thinking it would edge him out over Drew Locke. I, I don't know. When I hear Pete Carroll talking about, oh, well, the last we saw Geno, you know, it was at the Jacksonville game. Pete, that was that was the Jacksonville game, man. <laughs> They're playing Jacksonville. Yeah, and Jacksonville was not a very good team, although they still some, somehow somehow beat the Bills. I know we're going to talk about NFL rule changes a little bit today, which is kind of uh, the centerpiece is the Bills because they can't take care of their own damn business with 13 seconds to go. But I'd like to propose maybe a maybe a, a little uh, a little rule at this this time of year, maybe in the honor of the Academy Awards. And no, it has nothing to do with the slap her around the world. Maybe just mm. a simple, we don't talk about Gino. No, no, no. Like, maybe we don't got to talk about Gino. Until there's like Bonnie Raitt, you know, something to talk about. He's not even on the team, right? And right now, Drew Locke's our quarterback. So I'm I'm fully in the Adam logic train here of I don't know what that ceiling looks like. And I'd rather see that ceiling than settling because that's, that's what it feels like settling for Gino. So I'm on the we don't talk about Gino. He's not even a member of this team right now. Clinton, you get my backup quarterback's name out of your mouth okay yes <laughs> that's see, it go sit I, I was i was this was this was a litmus test to see if the slap heard around the world really was heard around the world and up into the mountains mm -hmm. of uh and and it was so there we go yeah, it's just as stupid in the mountains as it is at the Oscars. <laughs> oh been. man it, it's like it happened on Twitter. It certainly was reported on Twitter. And I, and I know how you feel about things that happen on Twitter, right? But this was, yeah. Yeah. this well, was happened a, a in real life. It's just we only learned yeah. about it on Twitter because that's right. the only, right. you know, way we consume award shows now. Because who watches the Oscars? No, no. Uh, <laughs> we, nope. we, you wait for the good stuff to be on Twitter. I mean, that's just how it goes. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, we did mention the bills and we did mention the rule change. Do we want to maybe talk about that quick, you know, get into that little, little bit of a topic because we had the NFL come out today and and, you know, so the NFL owners are together and they ended up voting, I think, 29 to three in favor of, OK, in OT, both teams have to touch the ball on offense. And then if you're still tied after the first two possessions, then it goes to sudden death. And it's all in the name of, I don't know, fairness, competition. I'm, I'm not sure if those things go together. Um, I, Adam, you're chuckling. Why, why don't you uh, take the baton? Oh, it's just hilarious to me because all of the overtime crybaby catfishes are finally getting their way. Oh, Patty Mahomes didn't get the ball once in the postseason. Joshy Washy Allen didn't get the ball this rack time. It's not fair. I want the board. I'm gonna go home. Like it's just, it's so ridiculous. Like the the whining about the overtime rules. Like I, I heard Peter King talking about this, and this was just infuriating to listen to, because he's talking about the Chiefs Bills game from last year, and he's like, well, I mean the way the rules are and everything, defense just doesn't have a chance, and so that in overtime, it's just not fair. So we got to change the overtime rules. Okay, let's think about that uh, statement for just one second. The overtime rules a problem? <laughs> or is it the rules that have made this game a quarterback skills challenge and a total offense fest? I mean, the, defense is a third of the game. Technically, really more like half the game. Yep. And it should be played, and it is important. If you just want this to be a skills challenge, then let's make it that way. But if you think that the rules in overtime are the problem, you're missing the point. So if it's unfair in overtime, why aren't these rules that make it so offensive centric? Uh, why aren't those rules unfair for the rest of the game? Like, how is that not your argument? How are you not trying to change that? Look, I get it. Balls in the air sell. Quarterbacks sell. But then you end up with a league where every team is held hostage by its quarterback every offseason. And if you don't like the idea of having to pay your quarterback 15,000% of the uh, cap just to be competitive, then you should hate this rule change. You should hate every one of these rule changes that makes all of this just more offensive centric. Let's balance this game out. Defense matters. Special teams matters. It's what makes it fun. If you can't appreciate running and you can't appreciate good tackles and great coverage in making it hard to score points, like instead of Allen and Mahomes putting up 17,000 points in the last 12 seconds of that game, then you don't appreciate football. You just want a skills challenge. And I think the skills challenge people got their way today. And I think it's stupid. I think it's short-sighted. I think it makes it so that the players have to play more snaps when their bodies are all wrung out after the owners, the greedy ass owners are already getting an extra game out of all of these guys. Now they're going to get extra play out of them in overtime. And not only that, you think it's going to stop there. They're going to do this in regulation. And on top of all of it, it's going to diminish defense even more. The Bills wanted to win that game. Play catfish defense. Pay your guys more. Actually stop somebody. And they couldn't do it. Chiefs couldn't either. Like, I just, I'm so tired of it. And I think it's a dumb rule, short-sighted, it's going to be. One important caveat, though, is that this is just for postseason. So they're not doing it for in now. the regular, well, for now. I, I hope it just stays for the postseason. And I think one of the problems is, is you're still, you're going to run into a fairness issue because 
in overtime, after two teams, they both score, and then the next mm-hmm. team scores, then you're going to say, well, why didn't each team get two possessions? I, I, I don't know where it ends with regard to, to feeling satisfied, especially when you have quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, and you get to the end of the game and they're just trading blow after blow. And it, you know, it feels like the end of Rocky four and you just, you don't want the movie to end. You want the fight to continue. And then when it's over, you're like, Oh, well that's disappointing that somebody had to lose. It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. You're still going to be disappointed that somebody lost in the end. Yeah. I think those, I mean, so great, you know, great points across the board. And I think we also have to remember too. It's like, they're going off of like, it's knee jerk because the sample size is so freaking small over like, okay, it's 12 years, 12 games. And it happens to be 10 and two, but I also think it was like eight teams, one on first possession. So then two of those teams, two of those 10 that won on first possession, you know, didn't score, got the ball back, played defense, and then, and then proceeded to win the ball game. And the last one we had the last overtime game, Featured Pat Mahomes. What, what was Pat Mahomes' last play as a chief this season? What did he do? Yeah, he, he threw an interception to Cincy. Yeah, he threw a freaking pick, and it was okay, right? And it wasn't. And it wasn't this uproar. He he was out there. They got the ball first, I think. He throws a pick. Cincy comes back, and I think it was uh, what's the rookie rookie kicker who nailed everything? Evan, that guy was Evan amazing. McPherson. Yes, yeah. yes. Evan McFearless over there, right? Through the upright. The, the dude, the dude was good from like fifty-five, from like arena style, like all year long. That guy was amazing. Which, by the way, freaking cut Myers, take the four million, and go get you know McPherson's twenty. Must be out there. Um, and with all that, it's just like yeah, dude, the best guy in the game, Allen and Mahomes, one and two. He threw a pick. His last play of the year was a pick in overtime. So I'm just, I just think it's, I also think it's just nonsense. And people are out on Twitter, like, if you don't like this rule, you just don't like competition. I, I just, I just think your argument, Adam and Brandon, are the the opposite of like actually what is higher level competition versus nonsense skills rules and a d and, and a, a manipulation of like, uh, you know, uh, pi that is so swayed to the offense that it makes the game. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I'm not going to cry about it, though. I this is now the rule. I will accept the rule and I'll I'll watch football and like it. I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to complain then whenever something happens in overtime. It's just this is the rules now. I'm I'm going to deal with it. Hopefully it just stays to the playoffs. That's fine. And uh, we get some bonus football. What I genuinely don't like about it is the idea that now you have two sets of rules for overtime throughout one season. Like, mm. that's not consistent, and that's not fair. It's fine. So, what? Like, I mean, sure, it's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm not that mad about it. You have like, different rules in the regular season anyway because you can end in a tie in the regular season. You can't end in a tie in the playoffs. I know that, got Brandon. You. But like, I got yeah, you. Yeah, but there's no <laughs> earthly way around that. There's no earthly way around that. That's just the way that the world it's works. It's totally Whereas inconsistent from the regular season, Adam. We're, no, it's not. It is <laughs> play, a ridiculous play to argument. Finish. You play know to finish it. the game in you the regular season. We shouldn't be ending in ties in the regular season anyway. Hey, hey, if you if you got rid of that in the regular season, I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board. But at the end of the day, this really does just keep rewarding the idea of the Derek Cars of the world who have made a career out of just chucking it deep and drawing a flag, just mastering the art of that. Because of the offensive rules. It'll hurt them, though, because then I, I don't think you'll be able to do that twice in overtime. Are you sure? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, the way it's that less this is likely going? that you'll fluke your way to a victory that way. 
I guess. I don't know, man. All right. Well, enough playoff talk. It's uh, probably not somewhere we're going to be next season if things continue the way they continue with regard to the Seahawks offseason progress. And that's something I want to get into with regard to what the salaries are of some of the players, how the team's choosing to spend their cap money. We'll get into it coming up next. The Seattle Seahawks this offseason have made several free agent signings. They've also let go some notable players, including one who still doesn't have a team in linebacker Bobby Wagner. We've seen him visit a couple places. I know it's a couple places that we'd prefer him not to go. Maybe the Ravens is the best option, but there's something that got me thinking. It was based off of what Adam said when we recorded the last episode of the Seahawkers podcast. He because I was upset about Austin Blythe at center and making $4 million. And so I, I really started to think about why it was that it made me so upset that, you know, a $4 million cap hit for Blythe. What was this really digging at with me? And I think part of it is that with Bobby Wagner going and visiting the Rams and now going to visit the Ravens, he had a $20 million cap hit for 20 22. I think we all knew that he wasn't going to make quite that amount, but you know, he probably would have negotiated down. So when I see 20 million, the the $20 million that would have gone to Bobby and I see $4 million going to Austin Blythe, I see $5 million going to Quentin Jefferson. I see $5 million going to Al Woods. And then I see $4 million wrapped up in your kicker. There's, 18 million right there. Would I rather have Bobby Wagner than all four of those players? Hell yes, I would. Hmm. You put out woods in there. Old thigh arms can, you know, you, you know, how I'm going to feel about old thigh arms. Um, okay. Then put penny in there. Swap out thigh arms for penny. Sure. Same and, and, contract and, number. Well, no. So Brennan, what do you want to do? You want to pay Bobby and then play eight on 11 every series. You got those are all replacement level dudes. And they got replacement level contracts and you're pissed about it. Yes. I would rather have one Bobby Wagner than guys that you could bring okay, in a rookie well and essentially be and play eight on 11 every four and $5 million is more than roster. veteran minimum. So my take on, I was ready mentally. And I think like financially, not that it's not that it's not my money. That's for darn sure. However, from a cap perspective, I was actually ready to move on from Bobby. I just was, I just at the, the last year, year and a half of play, still a great player, um, but just not as fast. And I think the way we want to play, his coverage was, wasn't very good. And, and I know it could be a scheme thing, but you know we get to see Barton out there and he just looked faster. I'm not saying he's the same player, clearly not. Um, he looked faster. And at the money he's making, then you, you slide him next to Brooks, you sign Nuoso, you get some other edge. We're pro- probably going to go edge in the draft at some point, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. I was mentally okay with with decoupling from Wagner. I know it's not a popular take, but I thought that was actually, regardless of Russ staying or not, I thought it was kind of time to go. At $20 million or $18 million a year, I thought it was time to go. Now, does that mean we spent our money judiciously and you know, $8 million for uh for disley which i think is a four million dollar cap hit this year and then five plus million for penny when you've got people you could draft in the second and third round that might be the pick of the litter and get them on a running back contract um maybe so maybe not i think that's a different discussion and maybe a good chance to roll into into the twitter poll there brendan that, that i put up during the week i asked people uh, it just flat out 
how do you think Seahawks have spent their cap money? And it was, I think, uh, like wisely, mediocrely, and poorly, I think were the, the three choices. And uh, the, the, I think it was close to 70% or so was dead smack in the middle. Like most people are like, eh, it's, it's been okay. And then you had, you know, you had some edges, like a nice bell curve of folks that really thought we either spent it wisely or really poorly, but they were almost dead even. That was a very interesting bell curve. So Adam, if you had a boat on that, where, where would you kind of lay your chips? I would actually lean towards a fourth option, which would be who cares? Because this year is a throwaway year. I know Pete's up on the on the stage, pounding the table that they're going to win right freaking now and all that stuff. But this is a throwaway year. It just is. They blew up the team and are moving on. So as far most of these are one-year deals, or at least at the most two-year deals. So who cares, Lee? Who cares? Exactly. This year. So when I think about guys that I care about, I don't care about Myers. I don't care about Quentin Jefferson. Al Woods is 54. So, I mean, he's the same age as Bobby Wagner's number. And <laughs> so I, I guess I don't care about him being on the team either. And yeah, so I would rather have my future Hall of Fame linebacker on the team for another year. Thanks. Especially if there's a threat of him going and wearing a Rams uniform. Yeah, as much as the Rams part is disgusting, hopefully he ran, ends up with the Ravens or somebody else. I did also see that the Rams are offering around one year, 11 million, which might be like, by the way, that might be where he comes in at, which would make that would be that much more tougher to swallow to be like, there, wait. Then you can keep Al Woods and not, and I won't be mad about it, but I'll still be mad about Blythe and Quentin Jefferson. Could we have figured it out if if he would have taken less? But I don't, I don't think he was going to take less with the Seahawks. The money's due to him. We signed a contract together and, and we let him walk. So I, I, I find the who cares the part entertaining. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a fun answer. Um, I just think that, I mean, I'm still, I don't know. I, I look at what we're constructing at parts of this roster, parts of it. I'm like, this is derelict. We, we don't have a starting offensive tackle potentially, right? We don't know what Curran's up to. Uh, you know, maybe he's a starter, maybe not. And Dwayne Brown's still still out there in free agency, so we he he hasn't come back yet. So I don't think you're going too far without a start without an NFL caliber uh, offensive tackle on the defensive side of the ball. I think we're building a pretty good unit. I, I I think it's pretty good. I think we need some help, and I think the draft can help us with edge. But I think it's a bunch of players. You know, we re-signed uh, Justin Coleman recently. We we didn't get a chance to talk about that too much just yet. Um, I think he's a either a worthy hedge or our starting slot corner. And he's been good for us before. Like, can we get B B plus play out of Justin Coleman? I think is is an open question. Yeah. The term you used on Twitter was are they building a sneaky good defense? And 67% said, Yep, I'm buying it. 32% said, Nope. What are you smoking? Sneaky good defense, yeah, it 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 could be potentially good, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be on the level of of where you're saying, wow, this is a 2012 was a year where you looked at the defense and you said, wow, now they just need the offense because this is a championship caliber defense. And I, I yeah. still don't think I look at this defense and well, we still have a lot of offseason to go, but I don't know if you could make the kind of changes to where you could say, wow, uh, with regard to the defense. Yeah, I would just say quickly before tossing it over to Adam, like, yeah, there was nothing sneaky about 2012, you know, and then heading into 2013, 2012 was like, okay, really on the cusp, 
we're missing these edge dudes. And then we just go get them. <laughs> we go sign two amazing edge guys, complete the puzzle, and then roll out a defense that I think would compete sincerely against that, that early 2000 Ravens team, you know, and then offensively we were better anyway. Um, so nothing sneaky about that, but I think the composition of this team back to the who cares Lee might be like, you know, we're going to be in position to win a lot of games this year, whether we do or not, who the hell knows we might end up with four victories, but I think with this defense, I think we're going to be in position to be in some Pete Carroll games, like close into the fourth quarter, which is all he ever wanted. I don't see the talent at corner. I mean, I get that you bring in Coleman and that's all fine and dandy, but losing DJ Reed is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. I mean, he was your best corner all of last year. You're like, oh, well, Trey Brown will be back. Will he? I mean, are we sure? The guy is Yes, been, future uh, Hall of Famer Trey Brown will be back. What, why okay. is that a question? <laughs> uh, well, hey, I forgot that he had the magic O on the side of his helmet at one point in his life. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see it on the back end. I think they still got to figure out what they're doing with Jamal Adams in terms of scheme. Uh, and then when you look at the linebacking core, are we really better letting Bobby Wagner go? All right, no, I get that maybe that was financially the right uh, move to make, but just his experience and leadership and all that, you can't replace it. And maybe you get 80% of Wags out of Barton for 30% of the price. And maybe that makes sense. That's fine. That's fine. But a guy that I didn't know existed in the league in Uwosu uh, just before we traded for him or uh, signed him in free agency. Uh, and then bring in Shelby Harris, who Jared's like, yeah, he's older, nice player. He's going to knock down a bunch of balls for you. Neat. Like, I don't see the big sneaky upgrades that makes this defense markedly better than the dumpster fire we were subjected to the last two years. <laughs> so I, I just I don't see the big the big change here short of scheme. And if that really does make the difference, then I'm going to be happy. But in terms of personnel to this point, I, I just I don't see where this team is, you know, a ton better. Diggs is coming off a massive injury like I, I just. I don't know. I, I, I'm not seeing it. It's banking a lot on Daryl Taylor and Alton Robinson and guys like that, you know, becoming huge guys. Um, you know, where's Rasheem Green? Where did he end up signing? Like, he's not on the team. No, no yep, news on Green yet. So I just I don't see the massive upgrades here. I just I, I don't. I don't think it's about upgrades. I think it's I think it's more about just positionally kind of locked in the front four or front three as it's going to be uh, at, at times, I think it's solid, like a solid, I'm not saying a plus, They're but fine. solid, solid B rotation linebackers. I think you got a competent linebacker. Sneaky yeah. good is the, is the right term for it because it gives all of us optimists like a, a bar to, to where you could say, <laughs> yes, I think this has the potential to be good. How about we settle on sneaky fine. <laughs> sneaky fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, like I remember when we signed all of those B plus level players last year on the defensive line, and we're like, "Well, does 15 B plus players equal three A plus players?" Um, no, it doesn't. That's a fair point. I was I, last year. I was I was hyped about Kerry Hyder gone. You know, they, they were yeah. players like that that I was like, "Oh, these guys are sneaky good." <laughs> and then they'll be, you know. So so I am definitely fine. going. Yeah, so I'm going down that same uh, that same you know trap again admittedly, but it is the optimist in me saying, no, they, they could, they could be okay. And I do like it with, with a healthy, 
with, you know, Quandre Diggs coming back healthy, I do think our safety combination is great if we could use Adams in, in a kind of proactive way. Let's put it that way. So, well, it'll be interesting. And, and uh, Brandon, any, so would you, if you had to cast the vote, sneaky good or what are you smoking? Which one, which one for you, Brandon? I, I, Two choices. Yeah, That's I'm it. leaning toward the what are you smoking part. Um, I think part of it is my lack of confidence after losing Russ and then allowing Bobby to walk. And I think based on how this has gone for him, I don't see him coming back. Um, I think they made the decision to move on from Bobby, and so he's he's going to find another team. I think it's a lot like with Sherman. You, you thought, well, could he maybe come back? Mm. I, I just I don't think Bobby's coming back, and... It, uh, it it kind of bums me out. So I might just be, maybe if you ask me after the draft, after there's, gosh, maybe there's some more free agency moves. I don't know. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, he's one of those guys that it sounds like he could maybe be back uh, after being cut. And we did see him get cut and then come back last time. I don't know if with the scheme changes, he's definitely going to, he's not going to be as much of a, a full-time player. So I'm locked into the idea of rebuilding mode. And as much as Pete says, you're, we're winning freaking football games, what they've done with the roster, it just has me leaning toward what my sense is, is that this is a rebuilding year. And I, I can be okay with that. And I just have to deal with the coach speak of him hyping up everybody this off season. I'm, I'm going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Speaking of the coach speak, how terrified were you when you heard Pete come out and say, I don't intend on training DK. Like, I think yeah, I, heard him, exact I heard him say that. Just that yeah. I can't. Well, he did come back and say that I can't imagine playing this season without him either. So I, I feel like he went a little bit farther with DK about wanting to to keep him on the roster. The, the one thing I don't, I just don't get the desire. The dude's entering what year four, right? He's got 29 touchdowns in three years. He's up there with like, all timers in terms of in terms of uh, touchdown productivity in three years. What world does it make sense to trade those in for scratchers like lottery tickets, even high ones? What, as opposed to, that's a dude you likely can build around from an op, from an offensive standpoint. Yes, you need an offensive line also, but seemingly you have a young running back still in Penny. Can he stay healthy? Who who the heck knows? Maybe. Maybe if he does, you have you have a top tier running back. He's proven that you have a top tier wide receiver who wants to be here and looks like he really wants to like emerge as a leader, saying all the right things at least. Cool. You have a top tier tight end, uh, talent wise, with no offense, talent wise. Can it be? You know, can that transition into a productivity level? You know, again, he had sixty eight receptions last year, so the elements are there. So I just don't get the desire of fans to say, yep, it's time to pull the Frank Clark trade again and hope that you could, you know, manifest and, and get kind of get lucky again that a freak athlete like Metcalf falls down where you could trade back up and get him because it just doesn't happen that time that way all the time. It doesn't. Seattle's pretty good at it. To take the side of that argument of people saying trade DK, you're looking at it as as more of a long term you know, out on the horizon, three, four years, we're loading up for then. And you're thinking that, okay, if you can get at least a top 15 pick, you know, if the Jets are interested, for instance, and you get mm -hmm. you get a top 15 pick to where you can have a, him under his rookie contract for four, maybe five years, because you get the extra fifth year with a first round guy. 
Sure. Then, then maybe, yeah, your your idea of you can find a guy like DK and you're on a, a longer time horizon with, and and maybe you're, you're of the mindset that that DK is kind of a diva too, because I see that out there as well. Look, I, I, if you're looking for the future, right, you can't look more than three to four years into the future for any NFL team at any time. That's that's as far as you can go in the future looking machine and like have any sort of relevance. Like, so if I'm looking the next three, four years, I've got stud prime DK Metcalf Mm -hmm. who wants to be a leader on my football team, who has a work ethic that is second to none has an effect in the community that is high level has uh, ideas of other things he wants to do with his life that Pete is just enamored with. And you got rid of your biggest leader on your team, your two biggest leaders on the team over the last uh, offseason here. And then you're going to jettison him for, you know, like you said, a you know couple lottery tickets. I don't think so. Now, the one argument that I have heard that does make little sense is I think Bloomy had said something about the idea of paying a $30 million a year receiver on a run first team. Does that make any sense? So a little bit like driving a Lambo with uh you know, a Honda Civic engine. Well, we still need to see what they do in this draft and all that uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. I've watched a crap ton of Drew Locke over the last week, a crap ton. And um, I can kind of see what Pete and John are talking about. If you squint real hard and look at the good things, then yes, he could live up to his good parts and not the bad parts. Yeah, I, there, it's consistency that separates fine players from great players, and that's where he is. I, like Again, I'm with Ryan. I'm inclined to give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing that did pop out after watching a crap ton of Drew Locke is no offense a lot better than I Yes, I thank you. Yeah, when that first went down, you were like, ah, he's okay. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, there are those big-ass plays that he, that he breaks where he could turn on his jets or do something – real elite athlete special and very few tight ends can do that. He was like an off the charts combine guy, which I know combine and no, you know, no shoulder pads, no helmets, but he has translated that. I just think I do. I do buy in at least a little bit. I'm warming to lock also uh, in the sense when you hear drew lock talk about, Hey, I thought I had a pretty good end to my first year. And then the carpet got ripped out and there was COVID and that, that was just, you know, he's like, I'm not making excuses, but that wasn't ideal to go learn a new system. I think that's fine and fair. And then it comes year three, he's in a tug of war with Teddy and they choose Teddy for one reason or another. He doesn't get the chance to really be out there. Now, maybe he gets, he didn't perform as well and they wanted to go with the safer route, game manager versus, uh, you know, it was like point guard versus, uh, you know, shooter, et cetera, et cetera. But I could warm to the idea that in the right scheme, which he said, Waldron's is more like what they ran in 2019. Maybe the dude could be effective. And then back to the point of Metcalf, yeah, man, lock that dude up. Maybe you don't got to get go give him, you know, the the top the Devonte Adams contract right now because he's not quite there yet, type thing. But give him something just under that, which you make him a you know mega mega rich person, like generationally wealthy. He's set. Give him a four year contract, generational wealth. You're done, young man. Good, good for you. And go to battle with you know Lock Fant, Lock it. DK, 
Penny, maybe Carson, and some amalgamation of a front line. We'll, I guess we'll figure that out. And hopefully D. Eskridge. Ooh, you know what? You know what it sounds like, Clinton? It sounds like the Seahawks. They might be building a sneaky good offense. A sneaky good <laughs> offense. <laughs> Could be. Well, it has been a sneaky good show, gentlemen. I really want to thank you for coming on and joining the show. You know, if you want to tune in and catch these live, you can head on over to the Seahawkers podcast YouTube page. Subscribe there. That way you get notified. Or if you don't like the uncensored versions that we do there, you can find the censored version right here. Fieldgoals.com. Tell your friends. You can subscribe here as well. SBNation.com slash NFL podcast to get this show or any of the other SB Nation podcasts in your podcast feed. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, go Hawks.